0: Greetings Traveler, welcome to the Cast Perilous. we have arrived at the seventh episode of the Cast Perilous. As I've mentioned, we began recording our gaming sessions before the plague times. Back when gathering to play a nice, cozy role-playing game in your friend's basement was not given a second thought. Alas, it has now been quite a while since we recorded anything at all. But that is changing. That's right. We have begun distance gaming. Yes, I realize that's how... Most podcasts record their stuff, but it's a pretty dramatic change for us. Anyway, this episode marks the end of our previously recorded material, and the beginning of the new stuff. Well, actually, the new stuff comes first. The last of the old stuff is situated when we jump back to Beatrice near the end of the episode. In any case, we hope you'll bear with our poor attempts at being tech-savvy, and just enjoy the story. We love our listeners and I'd like to take a moment to thank folks like J.V. from the Stone to Flesh RPG blog, stoneflesh.wordpress.com, for their wonderful review a couple of weeks ago. I'm so glad I found you. I just so happen to love Fading Suns. Also, thanks for all the kind words from our friends on the Necrotic Gnome and Low Fantasy Gaming Discord groups, not to mention those on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. We love you all. And who are we, anyway?
1: I'm Tom Coleman, I'm playing Burn Trumbull. My
2: name is Tracy, and I play Rosemary Springward. My name is Kate, and I'll be playing Beatrice.
1: My name is Josh, and I'm playing Del DeBard.
2: I'm K.W. Taylor, and I'm playing Jolie Elderwood.
1: And I'm Jeff. And since this
0: episode takes place at the end of one chapter of the tale, and the beginning of another, let's call it Interlude.
2: That was terrifying.
1: Yes, it was. You didn't even see the bone pits, did you? There's that... a dragon down there. I well, don't... like, it used to be a dragon.
3: I grabbed one of the bone pits.
1: Yeah.
0: All of you come up out of the tomb into the cellar beneath the Hare and the Hound Inn. You succeeded. You did it. You dealt the final blow against the Boggart, defeating it and covering you with blood, but you were also able to place it in its tomb and imprison it, hopefully for... A long, long time, maybe forever. It's still night time. Nan has taken the boy Fetch off to Ann Allen Ivy's place. The cats were all there, but they've all gone their separate ways. The rain has stopped, the moon is out. You're still rather drunk, Del, on the Green Aspinthian. hmm Upon emerging from the tomb, is there anything you were carrying out or that you wanted to run back in and grab?
2: I don't want to go back down there, but, uh, I mean, I already owe my grandmother so much money, and I don't like to work.
1: Well, I can't imagine (laughs) what could be down there. We knocked the skeleton
0: down, and the skeleton was strumming a harp. That instrument actually looked very beautiful to you under the power of the Green Aspinthian. although the strings have all broken. It would have to be restrung. In theory, it could be used, or it could be valuable. And I believe you'd also left the silver chalice in there with the harp. Right. And the bones of the skeletal harper.
1: Uh, there's just no way around it. I know that... I'll go back in for the harp. I'm just going to grab the harp. Yeah, I'll go with you. I mean, the poor Harpist needs a proper burial. We need to get his bones. I just want the harp. Uh, burn, would you trust me to keep the the silver chalice? Yeah. Perfect. Okay. Okay, so I look at the bones of the ghost servant that I smash with my hammer. I gather them up as respectfully as I can. I'm to pack of them up into this burlap sack I used to carry around treasures that I find. I pack those in as best I can and haul them up. Oh, that's perfect. Yes, I take the bag of bones. I keep the silver chalice. Perfect.
0: All right. You bring that up. Dell brings up his broken harp and silver chalice.
1: We're going to push the coverstone back in place and make sure it's secure. It's a dangerous area. It needs to be sealed off. At least for now, until another day when we go back down there to fully explore. I desperately want to do that. I want to dig around in all those caverns and find all those dragon bones and everything. Great.
0: All right. And you all come up into the common room at the inn when Nan comes home. She gives you all a hard stare and says, Jolie, come over here. What is this? What's going on? What are you doing?
2: We're just, we're just, everything's fine. Um, everything's fine. Why wouldn't everything be fine? Are you safe? How do you feel? Is everything okay? Don't worry about the cats. The cats are fine. Everybody's fine.
0: You saw that boy. You saw what, whatever's down there did to him. I took him to Anne Allen Ivy. She's a wonderful healer, but she says even with her herbal infusions, it's a miracle that he's seems to be pulling through. He lost so much blood. I mean, he's staying over there tonight. Good. That's, that's good. I'm glad... What in the name of good Saint Woe did that to him? And most importantly, is it still living under my inn?
2: Living is kind of a relative term. Define living. What? He's not really living it up anymore. I mean... Everything's better now. Better? I just want to keep you safe. I just want to keep you safe. I want to keep your inn safe. I want to keep all of us safe. Um, And one way to stay safe is to not go down beneath the cellar. That's really the main takeaway here, is don't go further beneath the cellar.
0: Jolie, are you saying that everything is safe
2: now? Well, I don't know that we know that, but everything is safer um you don't have occasion to go deeper beneath the cellar though do you? Just reassure of course me course not. That... Okay, then then we're good. <laughs> then it's fine. Nothing's nothing's
0: Nothing's going to be coming up into the inn or making horrible sounds like like it did last night or smashing any bottles or anything like that.
2: We hope not. We may need to
0: just You're not really doing a good job of convincing me that this is all all right. <laughs>
2: I go over and try to like pat her on the arm and it's probably not as reassuring as uh as I would like it to be. <laughs> but
0: and another thing, who's paying for that green aspinthion? What green aspinthion? She's looking over right now at Dell who's sitting there
1: still clutching the bottle. Uh do I think that this chalice is is worth more than what I would have to pay for I the...
2: rummage around in my pockets and I have some, maybe some extra tip money and I, I hand her a coin. I'll have him pay me back later.
0: She takes your coin <laughs> and she says, that's
1: a start. Oh. Okay. Uh, well, then how about maybe we uh, talk about Uh, the money and whatnot tomorrow when I'm a little bit uh, more awake and myself.
0: All right, off with you. You'll find your usual room empty tonight, since we have no one staying over. Off with you. So, I guess up the stairs you stagger? Yep. What, stagger? Yeah.
1: I mean, uh, how much of that did I drink?
0: Jolie, you assure me there's going to be no more need for anyone to go back down there. No one's going back down under this inn, correct?
2: Um, if, if it were up to me, I would like nothing better than not to have to go back beneath your inn.
0: Good then. It's not up to you. <laughs> I'm officially saying no one is allowed to go back down into those catacombs. If the thing isn't coming up, there's no need to go down there anymore. Right?
2: I see your point, ma'am. Yes. Yes. Okay.
0: Good. I'm glad we understand one another. I'm going to bed. It's been a long day.
2: (laughs) You deserve a good sleep. Thank you.
0: And she ascends the steps. Nan offers you all the opportunity to stay over if you wish
3: if I could just curl up in a corner somewhere.
0: You would be able to get a room.
3: I mean, if it's offered, I guess I'll go ahead. Before we split up for the night, I tell everyone I really want to meet in the morning, get together, talk about all this stuff that happened. I mean, we have been through an ordeal. I've seen a lot in the woods, but this is very traumatic and exciting, and I definitely think I should take a bath. Surely they have a... Bath set up for guests.
0: Well, you would be able to get a bath and a room tonight.
3: Uh, maybe very early in the morning I will get up and go back home, check on my father and see how things
1: are going.
0: So Ro goes upstairs. Um,
1: at one point, I just pass out on the bar asleep. Like the exhaustion <laughs> just, just hits me when I'm not expecting it and I'm fast asleep. Nothing really moves me until the morning.
0: Very good. All right. Shaking her head at Byrne's sudden departure to Dreamland, and realizing that she was the last soul left awake in the common room, Jolie sighed and headed for the stairs. She stopped short when she saw that a sooty gray kitten with matted fur and huge eyes was regarding her from the stairpost. Then she passed on by, offering it a quick neck scratch on her way up. It continued to stare after her as she reached her room and closed the door. In fact, it watched for quite a long while after that. Then, leaping down to the inn floor, it was off and away. Important business to attend. The morning of the twenty-fourth day of Keisting was perfect. The oppressive heat had washed away with the rain, and yellow morning sunlight shone on Byrne's face as he blinked himself awake still resting his head on the bar of the Heron Hound. Chances are you awaken in the morning as Ro is leaving. She gets up before the dawn and is going out. She might glance over at you, but she doesn't wake you, and she leaves the inn. It's early morning. What would you do then? Go back to sleep? (laughs)
1: I need to go home. At this point, I need to make sure everything's okay at home, and I need to do my chores again as quickly as possible so I can get back to my friends and plan the next adventure.
0: Well, no one else is up in the inn, so I imagine you're going to let yourself out, much as Roe did. Yes. And head for home. It is very early morning, and the actual butcher shop wouldn't have opened yet, so you head to the farm itself, I presume. Yes. When you arrive there, your brothers and sisters are all doing their chores already, as they typically do early in the morning. You encounter your younger brother, Horace.
1: Horace is the 14-year-old. He sees you coming. Barn! Father's not pleased with you! I'm sure he's not, but I had important work to do, so I'm here now. I can help out. I can do all of my responsibilities.
0: Well, I hope so. Uh, he looks a little bit excited to see what happens when your father talks to you. He says, no. <laughs> So you, uh, you gonna talk to father? Where? You want me to go get him?
1: No. Where is he now?
4: He's in the house.
1: Before I do that, I'm going to take off all of my adventuring gear. <laughs> Somewhere in the barn, oh. there's like a little cubby hole that I have that I keep all my stuff in. Away from everyone and i pack it up and stick it in there kind of dunk myself in a bucket of water and drive as best as i can before i go into the house
0: <laughs> all right so you get all that done then you go in well your mother is in the kitchen your granny granny Trumble, is in the kitchen as well rocking on her chair kind of humming to herself When you come in the door, your father, Wilfred Trumbull, is just then walking into the kitchen. Byrne, where have you been?
1: There was trouble in town last night. I know you heard about the fire. I had to go help out with that, and then... The
0: fire was the night before last.
1: Well, was it? Yeah, okay. So last night was about the missing boy. Fetch was still missing, and we found him, and he's safe now, so that's good. We had to go under the inn to the catacombs there, and to the tombs of the goatmen, and had to fight a boggart, which I did. And I hit him with a hammer that I have also, and it was so... It was the grandest thing I've ever seen, and he smashed these walls, and it was a giant spider, like the spiders up in the barn that I really hated. But they're much better now. It's not, I'm not really afraid of them anymore. I I, I don't particularly like them, but yeah, he... Quiet! What?
0: I don't know what you're on about, son, but there are certain practical matters that need attending to in life. These fancies are not what you need if you're going to take over for me when I'm gone. You need to keep your head where it should be. Here in the village, these stories, it's no good for you. You need to take over for your brothers out there immediately. You're going to be doing extra work today. But people need my help. No, I need your help. Your family needs your help. Well,
1: my family too, but other people need my help.
0: I happen to have spoken with Constable Fetlock. Apparently, the Boggs family says there's no problem, everything's fine.
1: Well, yeah, because we took care of it. Hmm,
0: all right, well, if you took care of it, then you shouldn't need to go back. Enough of this. You'd better get out there. He storms out of the room. Your mother looks over kind of worriedly. Your granny is still humming, although she suddenly looks over at you and says, Where's my red? Have you seen my red?
1: I haven't.
0: And she just starts absently kind of drawing patterns on the arm of her chair. Your mother looks a little concerned and goes over and uh, tries to make sure that Granny's comfortable.
1: I begrudgingly started to do the chores, but beforehand I whispered to Granny. We were underground, and there were monsters. It was just like out of one of your stories. And there's this ghost. I've got the bones in my bag. I'll show you later.
0: Her eyes light up. They seemed previously to have been just kind of drifting and looking through you, but... When you start talking about that type of stuff, she starts to get the familiar look that you're used to when she used to tell the stories to you.
2: Best not say that type of thing around your father. He wouldn't understand. I understand. That's why I need to find my red.
0: Is Murtis the littlest girl? Is she the littlest sister? Yes, Murtis is the littlest. Okay, at this time, she comes in from outside and comes over to granny granny
1: i found your red i found your red granny
0: and she brings her some wild red flowers that she'd found outside granny looks at her and gives her a little kiss on the forehead when she bends down kind of dismisses her (laughs) granny says to you she is sweet
2: dear girl but she's her father's daughter she doesn't understand i
0: really must find my red and she starts to get up out of her chair and starts to kind of shuffle out of the room
1: yeah where does she look like she's going
0: Uh, she's just like all over the house like she's looking for something
1: granny why don't you describe the red to me and i'll see if i can find it somewhere why don't you just rest for now and
0: that's when your father comes back in And says, what are you doing in here? Didn't I tell you to go out and take over for your brothers?
1: Granny seemed troubled. I was just talking to her, and I'm going to go out now. Good. Granny, don't worry. I'll help you find it later.
0: She's just kind of humming as she's looking. She doesn't respond to you.
1: I go back outside, and I start the daily chores of whatever awful thing I have to do around the farm.
0: All right. Well, you go out and do all your awful chores. Your father does not intend to let you go to meet them anytime soon, but lunchtime does come around, and uh, you're exhausted. You go inside to eat. Your father's gone off to the butcher shop. He's not here anymore. When you go in to eat, your granny is, in fact, sitting in her chair, and she's got out her needlework, her embroidery. Mm Mm-hmm and is frantically stitching something into her embroidery. She doesn't even pay any attention when you come in.
1: Okay, I take a glance at what she's embroidering and make sure she's doing better than she was before.
0: You know that she's done embroidery in the past and does really pretty fantastic things, like woodland creatures, knights and monsters and things like that. She is working on something that looks like she must have been working on and off for a long, long time. Or maybe it was something that was even finished that she's gotten out again and is making adjustments. You notice she is using red thread. She would actually finish right around then and would look very content with herself and look up at you and say,
2: There, I found my red.
0: She holds it up to show you. It looks kind of in a style like medieval tapestry or an illuminated page. There's a man with a sword and a shield who looks to be fighting a black unicorn within a circle of stones and surrounded by twisted trees. Everything's all embroidered beautifully, but you notice that the thing that she's added to it are these red marks, lines, Across the face and arms and hands of the knight she holds it out to you. She gives it to you. And she looks very, very satisfied.
1: Oh, that is wonderful. Peer into it. What are the red lines on the knight?
0: She points at the knight and says
1: You're the knight's shield. I why am I the knight's shield?
2: You have to go. Don't pay any attention to your father. You have to protect. You're the shield.
0: She looks very content as if she's just figured something out.
1: I look at her face and the contentment there, and I step back a little bit, and then I smile. You're
0: right. As she looks right at you, and she grabs your hand and pats your hand, and says, That's
2: a good boy.
1: And at that moment, I've completely made my decision. I run off, grab my stuff in the barn, I would to do my best to leave without anyone seeing me and get back to the inn.
0: When Byrne makes it back to the inn, he may discover a conspicuous absence. Rosemary Springward didn't make it back to the inn as she had intended. When she left the Hare and the Hound early on that beautiful morning, she had no inkling that she would not be returning to Tull's Fork for a very long time indeed. In the morning, you get up early with the sun. Uh, Of course. You get up to go home to check on things there. Yep, It's a nice day. Yesterday was raining all day. Today, the sun is out again.
3: I'll head home and happily, I am a lot less smelly. Clean and fresh and jauntily going home.
0: (laughs) Are you just going straight for home? Are you stopping anywhere on the way? You'll be going across the bridge and past the Boggs Farm and through the... Kilcone Fen, and by the hill, of course, where you met the I
3: probably keep an eye on things, just see how things look in the light of the day, but just head on home.
0: Early in the morning, everything is still, everything seems good, except you do note the bog's barn is still lying there <laughs> in blackened cinders. They have not started rebuilding, but you make it back along the road and head up toward the cottage where you find, strangely enough, everything is extremely overgrown. At first, you don't realize the extent of just how overgrown, but as you continue up the path, all of the trees and underbrush are really, really wild. You normally keep it cut back along the path you notice there is a bundle of your things sitting on the path up to the cottage, and there seems to be a note pinned to it.
3: Well, I'm going to go up and check out the note.
0: You unpin it and read it, and it is in your father's handwriting. Rosemary, I've gone away. Do not bother looking for me. I taught you everything you know about tracking, did I not? You nearly stopped me when you took my Aspinthian. Sorry, girl. I may be an old drunk, but I'm clever enough to know your hiding places. Sage has gone with me. We've bought you some time. If you happen to find your mother, give her my love. Good hunting, girl. Owen. Um,
1: No.
3: I'm... I'd probably be speechless for a while. I mean, that is... Um, I mean, we haven't been close recently, but he's always been there, and without him, I'm just alone here. I don't... But I'm going to check check out the cottage. Maybe he just... I...
0: As you proceed up the path, you realize the full extent of the strangeness of the situation. Ah. Everything is overgrown as if it had been left to grow wild for years and in fact when you reach the cottage it is in a state of terrible disrepair Mm. as if it also has been abandoned for years
3: i'm just totally in shock i'm just gonna kind of just sit down in the road there and stare at it
0: As we leave Roe to her thoughts, it seems that one more player must be attended to. Let us rejoin our lost pilgrim in the short tale of Beatrice and the Cave. You realize that you're not where you thought you were at all, that you're actually in amongst some trees. You're in a wooded area rather than an open area. You can see trees all around you.
4: Is the fog lifting at all?
0: You think that it is a little bit. It's thinning out more and more. And in fact, the moonlight is starting to filter down through.
4: I don't remember seeing any trees near me when I camp, do I? No. And as I look around, do I just see woods? Is
0: it just trees? You know that you should have been back at the rock. If things weren't unnatural, if things were normal in the world, you should be back at the rock by the road in the open. But in fact, you are in a forest now. Although, you do see a road.
4: How far away is this road?
0: It's where you would have thought the road would have been. The one that you would have been camped near. But this one is pretty overgrown.
4: Okay. I head towards the road, and I won't light my lantern. If I can see enough without it... It's actually
0: getting much easier to see. You make it to the road, you have no doubt this is somewhere else. This is not the same place you were before. Mm -hmm. You don't know how you traveled here to this different place. You feel like when you were out there wandering in circles, something happened.
4: Can I see anything in either direction of it?
0: You can't see far enough either direction down the road to make any guesses. Where's the
4: moon in the sky? Can I tell which direction?
0: Make an intelligence check.
4: Ooh, 19. No.
0: The moon is high in the sky, but it could have come up from either side, so you're not really sure exactly.
4: I'm going to make my best guess as to which way is south, and just start walking down the road that way. I'm holding my holy symbol in my hand. As I'm walking, I would offer up a prayer. St. Guinevere, I trust in you. Please, please help me know which way to go and what I should do. Lead me down the correct path.
0: You're wandering down this forest path now. The woods that you're walking through appears to be pines, which definitely makes you think of your dream. Yeah. Though you don't see the hills, barrows, or anything like that. You don't go far before the woods opens out into a glade in which you'd see a dark stone plinth and a pair of guardian monoliths of ancient construction.
4: Like a pedestal or a podium?
0: It's like a pedestal. You're not sure to what purpose. With the glow of the moon now shining down on it, between two giant stones, dolmens, the fog has pretty much cleared out. we are standing in this open glade.
4: I stop for a minute. St. Guinevere, is this where you need me to go?
0: Make a willpower roll. Uh,
4: Yes, I got a 10, and my willpower is 17.
0: On the far side of the clearing, in the trees further on, there is a faint glimmering of light just off in the trees.
4: So if I'm looking at the plinth and the dolmens... Where's the light?
0: Directly across the clearing. Like behind it? Behind it, yeah.
4: I'm going to walk slowly towards the
0: plinth first. You're not getting the same feel that you got from the dunstone.
4: When I get close enough, I am going to reach my hands out and just kind of lay them flat on top of the plinth.
0: When you do, you get a flash, an image in your head of, of a ceremony. ceremony. Just for a for moment, you see a woman in white. You immediately feel like it's a bride. The groom is there, you can't really see the groom. There are lots of other people around observing the ritual. You're getting a feeling this is not a godly ritual, this is something else, this is something pagan. Something creeps you out about the thought of the groom, but you don't see him.
4: And it's just a flash and then nothing?
0: Nothing else. There is still the twinkle of light across the clearing in the woods.
4: Would there be any sort of consecration prayer that I would be aware of
0: Yes, although usually an actual consecration would require a blessing with holy water. In theory, you could have probably got from the priory, but you didn't take anything like that along with you.
4: In that case, I start to walk towards the light. What color
0: is it? It's just a white twinkling, almost like starlight.
4: I'm gonna start to head towards that cautiously.
0: Okay, you're pretty much having to pick your way through the woods at this point toward the twinkling light there's not a road over there or if there is it's totally overgrown
4: yes does it seem to be getting closer as i move towards it
0: you think you are getting closer to something is it moving at
4: all no it's not
0: stationary you find yourself at the entrance to what appears to be a cave in a rocky outcrop there's a cave that leads into the side of a hill
4: is the light in the cave
0: you think it is
4: I'm going to continue towards it. I have my mace at the ready. I will start to go into the cave. Is the light illuminating enough for me to see? No. I will take out my lantern and light it.
0: There are stalactites from the ceiling. There's a lot of dripping, and there are pools of water in here. You press on into the dark, and the little bit of light you're sure was further in here, but it's getting harder to see exactly where it is. So I can't see the
4: light anymore?
0: No, it's mostly fading.
4: I'm going to press on. I wonder if if the light was trying to lead me here for a reason, and I'm going to continue a little bit further in at least.
0: Your lantern is casting enough light for you to see. And you go in a little bit further, and then it opens up a bit into more of a cavern. At the very rear of this cavern, there is what you think looks like a statue, five feet high or so, roughly humanoid form. It's rhymed with a sparkling crust of mineral deposits in your light, and almost seems like the same type of sparkling that you had seen. You would never have been able to have seen this, but you think that this is what was making the sparkling. But in addition to the statue, there is something on top of it. It is a white owl, a living owl, with its head turned away from you on top of the statue. A fairly large owl, actually.
4: How far away am I from the statue right now?
0: It's ten yards, thirty feet.
4: I'm going to move forward, watching the owl as I go for any movement from it. I'm trying to be quiet, so I don't spook the owl. A stealth roll then, Okay.
0: so as you don't make any loud scraping or anything. Is that dexterity? Seven, which is a success for me. You're moving quietly across the cave. Are you going right up to it, the statue? Mm -hmm. Yep. Okay. You make it pretty much right up to the statue. Make an intelligence check.
4: Seven, which is good.
0: I think I mentioned that it had a crust of minerals on it. But the shape of it, it just makes you think, it reminds you of a statue that you would find in a church. A holy statue. So it's obscured? But it feels like you might be able to get that stuff off. You think that it might actually be a saint. Is the owl moving at all? Is it looking at me? No, it's still got its head turned. It's sitting, more or less facing you up there, but its head is turned around backwards.
4: Softly, I'm going to say to the owl, hey there. Just gently, just trying to get its
0: attention. It stirs. It ruffles a little bit. And its head starts to slowly turn toward you. As its gaze is coming upon you, you see in its eyes something really weird. They actually flash with a purplish light. And it's time for you to make a save. It's a luck roll, modified by your willpower.
4: Alright, so my luck is 12, and my willpower modifier is a plus 3.
0: Fifteen. You want to roll a fifteen or left? One. Its eyes come upon you and you feel it's trying to get into your head. It's trying to take control of you, but you're able to shake it off, at least for the moment. What would you do?
4: I... I'm gonna swing at it with my mace. I'm going to smite the evil owl.
0: Actually, first I would like you to make an initiative roll, so roll your dexterity or less.
4: Uh, no, I did not make it. But yeah, I got an eleven, and my dexterity is nine.
0: All of a sudden, it screeches it's terrifying screeching—make another yeah. luck of an eleven. So, your total would be. I need fourteen or 14 less. Fourteen or less.
4: Four. Reduce it by yeah, one. Yeah, reduce it again.
0: Okay, again, that sound was terrifying. But you managed to resist. I'm gonna let you go ahead and swing at it.
4: Okay, so that's plus my attack bonus of one, and I want high.
0: Yeah, you want to get a 14 or higher. I'll just tell you.
4: 20. A natural Natural 20. 20, Yeah.
0: Maximum damage plus your level.
4: It's a 1d8, and my level is two. So 10. We do 10 points of damage.
0: Oh, you smite the owl, which is hurled across the chamber by the crushing of your mace. It hits the wall and hits the ground and lies still. You think you killed this owl.
4: I'm going over there to see if it's still alive. I crouch down and kind of feel...
0: It does not appear to be still alive. Although, you do think that in the cave elsewhere, you hear more fluttering of wings.
4: I'm going to hurry back over to the statue. I'm at least going to try to, if I can, wipe off some of the mineral crust from the face, or where I think the face is. If it seems too hard with my hands, I would take my mace and try to gently tap at it a bit to try to loosen it.
0: You are able to knock a few pieces off and pull them away with your fingers, and underneath the mineral crust is in fact a beautifully carved face. You are sure, now, that this is a holy statue and you're not sure what it's doing in this cave. This is a saint.
4: How loud is that fluttering getting?
0: You hear it every once in a while, and then you start hearing the sound of owls hooting back and forth and around. You don't see them.
4: And I don't recognize the face on the statue? No. I'm going to keep chipping away at the mineral stuff just to see if I can uncover any sort of insignia or anything like, especially like a necklace or or something.
0: You're kind of having to work at it. You're looking around for some sort of emblem, some sort of decoration. You keep chipping away.
4: I know I can't tell exactly how many, but does it sound like
0: a lot of owls? It's definitely more than one. If you were to guess, maybe at least three, if not more. Right now, they're still making these hooting sounds. Maybe there are other passages, other parts of these caves, but they haven't come upon you yet. You chip away around the area of the neck and chest, Mm -hmm. and you find an emblem with a symbol signifying it is a saint. You probably don't have all of the many saints Uh, devoted to memory, but I'll let you make an intelligence check with a disadvantage, surely. Minus four on your intelligence as well. Okay,
4: so that would be eleven or less at disadvantage. Yeah. Well, that was a one. A nine.
0: Alright. In that case, you know somehow, maybe by divine providence, you know that this is a statue of Saint Nanya? Nanya. This is a rather obscure saint.
4: I'm going to stop chiseling and look around. Can I see the other passages or tunnels or is it too dark for me to see?
0: You can see some of the other tunnels, yeah.
4: I'm just going to creep over to one of them and listen and just take a peek down.
0: If you go over to the entrance of one of the tunnels, down the tunnel, you'd see a couple of points of purplish light.
4: Like those owl's eyes. I'm going to back away slowly, but I'm going to keep my eye on those eyes just in case it starts to come towards me. I don't want to completely turn my back to it. And do I feel that evil?
0: You don't feel friendliness coming from it, that's for sure. Or Holiness, And you don't think it's anything good.
4: I can't imagine having more than one of those trying to take over my mind. I'm going to try to make my way back out, if I can.
0: Okay. You back up and you're stumbling your way back out of the cave. You make it to the exit, to the mouth of the cave, and stumble out into the woods. And at that moment you realize that there are multiple large white owls sitting in the trees all around you out here. And they're all looking down at you with purple glowing eyes. And it's time for you to make another little power save. Is that luck? It is is luck.
4: So I need 12 or less. Oh no. 15.
0: Okay. First of all, you get a sense of intelligence. They are not just animals, and you are definitely intruding in their territory. This time, so many of them looking at you. You feel them in your head, and then you feel yourself growing very, very, very small, tiny, in fact, down amongst the grasses, you realize that you are about the size of a mouse. You still see them looking down on you, but they're huge. They're enormous. I'm gonna start running. You start running off through the high grass. You hear them take flight, but then they're dead silent.
4: Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to try to get lost in the woods.
0: Mm-hmm. They are coming. Make a stealth roll.
4: That's dexterity, right? Yes. Okay. Ooh, my dexterity's nine.
0: Five. Okay. You find a place that looks like a, a good hiding place. An old, hollowed-out log. And you are inside this log, breathing heavily, hoping that they can't see you.
4: Yeah, I'm going to flatten up against the side of the log as best as possible.
0: You're hiding. Okay. Are they
4: still silent?
0: They are dead silent.
4: Can I see anything out the log or am I positioned in such a way that...
0: You can see just out the one end. As for what's up and around, you don't see, but yeah. you don't see anything out there, now.
4: I'm just going to keep an eye on it and listen.
0: Okay. Nothing. Just silence.
4: I'm going to, I am going to creep to the end of it and just try to peek out real quick just to see if they're still around.
0: Okay. Making the stealth roll.
4: Oof, a 20.
0: That's the worst you could possibly roll. Poke your head out. Look to the left, see nothing. Look to the right, see nothing. Look up and see the owl that's perched on the log, which leans down and grabs you up in its beak. Well, there you have it. Poor Beatrice. It seems not all tales end happily, do they? Or perhaps that's not the end? In either case... We hope you enjoyed our interlude. When we meet again, we start a new chapter in the lives of our heroes. What will become of them? We will just have to wait and see. As we take a little time off from our regular release schedule, we will be playing the game to find out. We will also keep you up to date with art and maps and things on our Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook pages. And as always please contact us with questions, comments, etc. on those pages or our email, thecastperilous at gmail.com. Want to talk to Jolie or Burn specifically?
2: I'm K.W. Taylor. I play Jolie. You can find me on Twitter at K.W. Taylor Writer. And I am the co-host of the podcast Pause Pop, which you can also find in your favorite podcast app.
1: Hello, this is Tom. I play Burn. You can find me on Twitter. Twitter and Instagram at Twick516. That's T W I C K 516.
0: Dolmanwood is a creation of Gavin Norman of Necrotic Gnome. Low Fantasy Gaming is by Stephen J. Gretzicki of Pickpocket Press. Beth Treadway created the image for our logo. Check out her other work at Beth Treadway on Instagram and Twitter. Our theme music is A Walk in the Woods by Edward Brown. That's Nedwin04 on pond5.com. Sound effects are either homemade or found under the Creative Commons license on freesound.org. Special thanks to Mary Fenner, who helped me out with voices on this episode. She portrayed Granny, Horace, and Murtis Trumbull. Thank you, Mary. We are really very much enjoying making these things, and will hopefully be doing so for a long time to come. Don't worry. We will be back very soon. And of course, in the meantime... We'll see you in the woods.